Matthew 16 will be our first scripture that we'll read this evening, starting in verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's let's pray. Father, would you please come and be with us in these next moments as we open your word. Father, please take all the strands of truth that have been sung, that have been spoken prophetically, that have been prayed, that have been read in your word and will now be preached from your word. Father, weave these strands of truth together in our hearts. Create something beautiful, create something good, in us through your word by the beautiful work the gracious work of your spirit we pray in Jesus name amen Amen. well this is the final message in a series of messages that we've been doing on the church As we've worked our way through Matthew's gospel, uh, we came to Matthew 16 and verse 18 where Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we saw in this verse and in this text an opportunity uh, for us to spend some time looking at what Jesus says about the church in the remaining part of this gospel. And so, Uh, In one week, we uh, talked about what the church is, and we said that the church is the whole assembly of all of God's people, all those that God has called into discipleship with Christ, the whole assembly of all of God's people everywhere throughout all of time 
who have been called to faith in Christ, who have been gathered together to belong to God forever and forever. We have talked about what it means to be committed to Christ through His church. We are to be committed through self-denial. We are to be committed expressing that in baptism, in membership in a church, in communion within the church. Uh, we are to be committed, as we heard a couple of weeks from Brother Leo through Matthew 18. We're to be committed to godliness, to holiness, and to accountability, making sure that we are holding each other accountable in our walk with Christ. And if anyone is stuck in a sin and, and bound in a sin, we are to come alongside and draw near and, and live together in such a way that we can help each other grow into holiness and into the likeness of Christ. And then last week, we saw that we are to be manifesting our commitment to Christ and His church by being the servants of all, not wanting to be great, not wanting to be first, but being willing to be least and last so that we can serve others and build them up in the church. So we've been looking at these things, encouraging you to uh, go back and listen to these messages again and, and take it in and absorb it because if you want to live for Christ, you need to love the church. And if you love the church, the things that you've heard in recent weeks will become very important to you. But one of the things we need to realize, and it, well, we don't need to realize it, we just do realize it, because we live in the real world, is that the church is a very imperfect, very flawed, very weak at one level in ourselves. Uh, uh, it's an institution organization, organism that has all kinds of mess to it. And sometimes it can get very discouraging. Sometimes it can be very disheartening. And there are times when we feel like quitting. And so it's, I think, important to end this series on a high note on the triumph of the church. I want us to think together on what really ultimately is not just the triumph of the church, but the triumph of the Lord of the church, Jesus Christ. The text that was just read, Matthew 16, Jesus says, I will build my church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not, will not prevail against it. From this text and a couple of other texts, Matthew 24 and 28, here's what I want you to hear today. Christ Jesus will build His church. Christ Jesus will build His church in all nations. He will build His church in all nations no matter how hard hell tries to stop it. First, by exercising his authority through the witness of the church. And second, by being with us to the end. Christ Jesus will build his church in all nations, no matter how hard hell tries to stop it. First, by exercising his authority 
through the witness of the church, and second, by being with us to the end. That's, that's my summary statement. Let me, let me unpack it piece by piece. Let's start with the first two words of that statement. Christ Jesus will build His church. It is important that we start with His name and with His title. Matthew 16, if your Bibles are open, Matthew 16, verses 15 through 17, He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus' response indicates that Peter gets this confession exactly right. And it matters, brothers and sisters, this is the confession. This is the declaration of faith. This is the certainty that every sincere Christian has made ever since the days of our Lord and Savior. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is not just Jesus. He is Christ Jesus. Or if you want the full name and title of our Savior, He is Jesus Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ, the Lord. I think we need to get in the habit of referring to Him that way more often. He is Christ Jesus, the Lord. He is Jesus, speaking of His humanity, speaking of His oneness with us, His nearness to us, His identity with us. And and we need those precious moments where it's Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. We need that. But there are many times, day in, day out, when we need it to be not just Jesus, but Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Son of the living God. This is the confession. This is what we must declare. He is the Christ. Many will know that means that He is the Anointed One. And it, it refers in Scripture to the fact that He is the King, anointed to rule for God in our lives. He is the Prophet, the One who is anointed to speak for God into our lives. He is the Priest. He is the One who is anointed to offer the sacrifice of His own blood and His own body on the cross to take away our sins. And He is the Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. He is the Son. You and I, if we believe, are sons and daughters of God by adoption. He is the Son of God in His nature. He shares the very nature of God. He is God the Son. He is the Son co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent with the Father from eternity past. The creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, the ruler of all things. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And brothers and sisters in Christ, are you willing to confess this? Are you confessing this? In word and in life, day after day, wherever you are, are you declaring Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
Peter's declaration must be ours. Romans 10 teaches us that we will be saved if we confess what? Jesus is Lord. 1 John 4 teaches us that God abides in us if we confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Philippians 2 tells us that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The day is coming when everybody, everywhere, from all time, past, present, and future, everyone will confess He is Lord. Don't wait until then to confess it. If you wait until then to confess that He is Lord, it will be too late. For He will be your Lord and your judge. But if you confess Him to be Lord now, it will be, it will be what you need for that day because on that day, you will confess Him as Lord and Savior. And that distinction makes all the difference for all eternity. Confess Him to be Christ Jesus. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is Lord. We who are Christians, we who are genuine followers of Jesus Christ, we believe this. And if you're not a Christian here, please hear this. We believe that Jesus Christ is alive and He is Lord. We believe He is on the throne of heaven. We believe that He is the one and only Son of the living God. We believe that He is the only King, the only prophet, the only priest that can get you to God and in right relationship with God. No other religion, no other guru, no other prophet, no other president, no other politician, no other anyone is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. He alone is Lord. There is no other. And at the heart of becoming a Christian is a willingness to get on our knees and declare that to be the truth. And then to confess it, not just with our mouths, but with our lives. Christ Jesus. That's where we begin. Christ Jesus will build His church. Matthew 16 and verse 18, this verse, uh, I thought about this this week. My dad was a preacher and a missionary for over 50 years. And this verse, along with 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for our sakes He became poor, that we through His poverty might be made rich. That verse and this verse were my dad's favorite verses. My dad loved this verse. As a missionary and as a pastor, he loved this verse. When he went into places where they had never heard the gospel before, he loved this verse. He believed with all of his heart when Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. Those words tell us, friends, they tell us that Christ Jesus has a plan. He has a blueprint. He has a people. He has a church that He has chosen from before time, and He will build His church. He will call His people out and into fellowship. He will get it done. What God begins, God always completes. 
The good work that He has begun is a work that He will finish. Christ Jesus will build His church. Now, next in our statement is this. Christ Jesus will build His church in all nations. In all nations. Just flip over in your Bibles or scroll or whatever you're doing over to Matthew 24 and verse 12. Matthew 24 and verse 12. Jesus says here to His disciples and others, because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many, He's talking about end times, days to come, because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The gospel of the kingdom is going to be proclaimed by the church, and it's going to be proclaimed to the whole world and to all the nations. That means... That before history is complete, there are going to be people from all over the entire globe. There are going to be people from all nations, all ethnicities. Even though still there are hundreds that have not yet heard the the name of Christ. Hundreds of ethnicities and people groups and languages who haven't yet heard about Jesus. Jesus is saying they will hear. They will hear. This is a theme we get throughout all of God's Word. Way back in Genesis chapter 11 and 12. You remember what happened in chapter 11 of Genesis? The Tower of Babel and they're, they're building this great big monument to themselves. The early human beings are. They all are talking the same language, putting their heads together saying, let's build up something great that will show how great we are. God intervenes. God gives them all kinds of languages, scatters them all over the face of the earth. And it says that there were different families here and there. And then in chapter 12, God appears to Abraham and God says to Abraham, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Abraham, I've just scattered the human race into dozens and hundreds of families and people groups and languages all over the earth. But Abraham, in you, and what he meant by that was in your seed, in one of your children, In one of your descendants, Abraham, all these families of the earth that I've just scattered, they're all going to be blessed. Because my intention is through your descendant, whose name is what? Jesus. Jesus. Through your descendant, Abraham, I'm going to bless all the nations. My kingdom and my gospel are not just for a few people here and a few people there. My kingdom and my gospel is for my people everywhere throughout the earth. And so we read in Luke 24, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Aren't you glad? Just hit me as I was reading that. Aren't you glad those words are in the Bible? 
If, if Jesus had not said that forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, the disciples and the apostles would have hung out in their upper room until the day they died, and the gospel would have never gotten here. But Jesus said, no. He says, my good news and my kingdom and my gospel is for all the nations. And here it is over 2,000 years later, and it found its way into Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. and found its way into your ears and into your heart because this is what Christ Jesus has promised. He has promised to build His church in all the nations. And even as was read earlier, there were themes throughout the singing and Scripture and prayer today that just tied right into this message. We already heard, didn't we? Revelation 7. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We're going to be in that number. We're going to be in that number. We're going to be singing that song. Christ Jesus will build His church in all nations. Do you ever wonder why Jesus hasn't come back yet? You ever, you ever wonder why? The world keeps on going. You ever wonder, Lord, please come. Please come. There were people way back in the New Testament time that were wondering why Jesus hadn't come back yet. You read Second Peter chapter 3 and it talks about those who say, where, where, where is the sign of his coming? Where, where is this Jesus who was supposed to come back? And Peter encourages them and those of us who wonder why Jesus hasn't returned yet with these words, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Because the gospel hasn't reached all the nations yet. He still has a people, a glorious multitude of people that he's going to call to himself. Christ Jesus will build his church in all nations. And he will do this, according to our text, Christ Jesus will build his church in all nations no matter how hard hell tries to stop it. That's in the text, right? You see it? Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That word prevail, it's, it's not a passive word. It's, a, it's an aggressive word. It's a word of aggression. And it's, Jesus is saying that, that even though hell aggressively resists the church and opposes the church and, and, and hates the church and despises the church. The gates of hell will not prevail. The word hell here uh, could and should be better translated Hades. It's referring to the, the place of the dead. It's very interesting. Jesus says these words 
in a place called Caesarea Philippi. And in the town of Caesarea Philippi, there is, to this day, a massive cave uh, that was a huge cave that had this massive depth to it, uh, so deep, as I recall reading a while back, uh, few have gotten to the bottom of it. And many people have nicknamed that cave the gates of hell. And there have been those throughout the centuries who have believed that it was, you know, superstitiously believed it was the doorway into Hades. It was a doorway into hell. And, and if you can imagine what's going on, Jesus is with his disciples in Matthew 16 in Caesarea Philippi. And perhaps behind his shoulder off in the distance is the opening to this cave that many people took as being the, the doorway into hell. And Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will will not prevail against it. I'm going to storm the gates of hell. I'm going to conquer hell no matter what hell tries to do against my church. My church and my plan and my purposes will prevail. I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. There are times, I confess, there are times when I wonder, Lord, are you doing it? Are you building it? We seem so flimsy sometimes. We seem so weak sometimes. Hell seems to be after us. Jesus says to us, I will build my church. And hell can throw everything it has against you. And it will not prevail. And hell does throw everything it has against us, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Personally? Personally? Have you not this past week come under the attacks of hell? Have there not been moments of temptation that were powerful and felt overwhelming? Have there not been moments of doubt or discouragement or depression or fear that gripped you? Have there not been moments where there was conflict and there was the temptation to lash out at others? Hell was coming at you. Have there been moments when family members or friends or co-workers have mocked you for your faith or persecuted you? Have there been times when you have felt oppressed or attacked? Hell has thrown its stuff at you this week. But here you are, because Christ says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And if I, if I read my Bible correctly, particularly in Matthew 24 and other parts of the Bible, it seems to me pretty apparent that hell still has a whole lot more to throw in our direction. There's going to be persecution and there's going to be tribulation and there's going to be affliction and there's going to be family members who betray other family members and there's going to be hatred and there's going to be mockery and there's going to be death. Let me just tell you this. If you say openly, if you confess with your mouth to your unsaved family or friends or co-workers or whoever, tell them that Jesus and Jesus alone is Lord, how will they respond Will they not react in anger? Will they not react in hostility? If we are faithful to declare Christ, we will be persecuted. 
And it's only going to intensify as time goes on. As Christ builds His church, Satan and hell are going to hate what Christ is doing and are going to hate us all the more and attack us all the more. But Christ says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my church in all nations no matter how hard hell tries to stop it. I will get it done, he says. And he is saying this to us so that our hearts will be confident, so that our hearts will be bold. Now how is he going to get it done? How is he going to build his church? He's going to build his church in all nations, no matter how hard hell tries to stop it, first by exercising his authority. We read in Matthew 28, right? Verses 18 and 19, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority has been given to me. Thus says the Lord Christ. All authority belongs to me. Go therefore, go therefore, in light of the fact that all authority belongs to me in heaven and in earth, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. He is going to build his church by exercising his authority. It means, brothers and sisters, that Jesus Christ really is on the throne and he's the one and only ruler who actually gets done whatever he chooses to get done because he has all authority and he has all power to get it done. We, we're... we're May the Lord have mercy on us all. We are in a political presidential season. I, I want to be transported to another planet for the next 15 months. Yeah, I'll take Mars. Uh, um, but have you ever noticed how presidential candidates make all kinds of promises that they don't keep? The cynical part of me says they make those promises knowing they can't keep those promises, but they know we're naive and gullible enough to believe the promises. The charitable side of me says they really think they can keep these promises until they actually get into office and find out it's a whole lot more complicated than they thought. And they don't have the authority or the power or the clout to actually make good on their promises. Jesus is the one king. He's the one ruler who has all authority, who has all power, who has all clout. He gets it done. And he is accomplishing his purposes. You may look around. I may look around now and say, wow, this really looks like a mess. This really looks like the church is in trouble. Jesus is saying, no, I will build my church. I will get it done, and I will get it done, though hell should try its hardest to stop it, and I will get it done by the exercise of my authority over everything. And so, what this means, 
brothers and sisters, is that in those moments where it seems like it's all coming undone, and it seems as if you are facing obstacles and challenges and hindrances to your life, to your witness, to your ministry, realize Jesus is using whatever is going on in your life to accomplish His purposes. He is actually building His church through your troubles. Remember, you remember Paul in, in Philippians chapter 1. Paul is in jail. And he's, he's in jail under false slander and accusation. And there are other people calling themselves Christians who are taking advantage of the accusations against him and his imprisonment. So he is, he, and they were actually drawing people to themselves away from Paul and away from Christ. Well, not really away from Christ. They were trying to pull them away from Paul and Christ. But they were doing it by preaching Christ and taking advantage of Paul's disadvantage. They preached Christ and Paul says, folks, I'm in jail, but the things that have happened to me have actually served to advance the gospel. Isn't it amazing? More people preached Christ because he was in jail and they got courage from that. They said, wow, Paul is willing to suffer for Jesus. We're going to be willing to speak up for Jesus. Christ used an affliction, a trial, looked like Paul was on the shelf, unusable for the kingdom. And, and Jesus said, no, that's exactly where I want Paul because through this, my kingdom is going to advance. Brothers and sisters, Never look at your trials and think, hey, this is getting in the way of God's plan. Look at your trials and realize this is God's plan. And God is going to use this plan to build His church. Christ Jesus will build His church in all nations, no matter how hard hell tries to stop it, by exercising His authority through the witness of the church. And oh, I could wish that I had three hours just on this. Through the witness of the church. Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me. Now go into all the nations and make disciples of all the nations. Here's the amazing thing, folks. Jesus is on the throne of heaven right now. He has all authority in heaven and earth. Believe me. He could just command people to repent from the skies. He could make himself heard. He could get it done from his throne. He could, he could just open up the heavens and declare to all the nations, I am Lord, bow to me now, because you're going to bow sooner or later, bow to me now and I will rescue you. I will. He could do that just declaring it from heaven. He doesn't do it that way, does he? How does Jesus exercise His authority and build His church? Through the witness of the church. Why? I don't know all the reasons, but I do know this. It gives us the privilege of being a part in what God is doing. God could have gotten it done without us. But God says, no, I want you to be a part of this. And believe me, brothers, sisters, if you choose not to be a part of it, He's going to get it done anyways. So your choice is whether or not you and I are going to be a part of what God is doing. 
Are we going to share in the joy of it? Are we going to share in the meaning of it? Are we going to share in the purpose of it? Are we going to share even in the honor of it by actually declaring Christ ourselves? Are you a Christian who is daily on mission for the gospel? Are you a believer who knows that it is one of your primary responsibilities from day to day to confess that Jesus is Lord to a lost and perishing world that needs a Lord and a Savior? Are you one who not just goes to church, but are you a part of the church that is going, a church that is advancing, a church that is on mission? Are you a churchgoer? Are you a goer to church? Are you or, or are you one who is engaged in the mission of the church? One who realizes, I am still alive. I am still breathing. I can still speak. Because Jesus has a message to deliver through these lips and through this life. Christ Jesus will build His church in all nations. No matter how hard hell tries to stop it. First, by exercising His authority through the witness of the church. And second, by being with us to the end. Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is how he's going to build his church, by exercising his authority through our witness and by being with us to the very end. I love how Matthew's gospel begins and ends. In chapter 1, we're introduced to Jesus, and one of the names that he is given is what in chapter 1? Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. The gospel opens on the theme of the nearness of God, the with us-ness of God, and then it closes the very last words, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. You think Matthew's trying to tell us something? He's telling us that as we go out on mission, we will surely triumph. Not perhaps in ways that to our minds seem sensational or, or massive or huge, but we will surely triumph. We will surely triumph. Christ will surely triumph because He has all authority that is being dispensed through the witness of the church and because He will be with us every step, every word. Friend, you have never borne witness for Christ alone. You have never faced the attack or the mockery of unbelievers alone. You have never been out there all by yourself. Every time you've opened your mouth to speak for Jesus, Jesus has been right there with you to sustain you and keep you and protect you and be with you and be for you. We, we sang it. Oh, how we sang it. And if our God is for us, then what can ever stop us? 
And if our God is with us, then what? Who can stand against us? I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Christ Jesus will build His church in all nations. Even though hell does everything it can to stop us. And He will build His church through the exercise of His authority, through the witness of the church. And He will build His church by being with us all the way to the end of time. So if you are discouraged, if you are feeling weak in the mission, if you're feeling as if your words just fall on deaf ears, nobody cares, even worse, they seem to attack. Know this, Christ is going to build His church. We are on the winning side. Christ is for us. No one can be against us. And Christ is going to accomplish His purposes. May, may God give us faith. Uh, that was spoken earlier prophetically. It was spoken in song in different ways. It was spoken in prayer earlier. I believe it's, and none of those things were planned, at least by me. This was just the Lord's convergence of these things. I believe because we need a word of faith for this moment. We need to have renewed confidence in, the, in our Lord and Christ Jesus. We, we need to know that He's going to build His church. We need to know that we are on the victor's side. We need to know that He is reigning until every enemy has made His footstool. He is reigning until all the nations have had the gospel proclaimed to them and until there are people, men, women, young people and children from every nation that in this life have bowed their knee to Jesus Christ, who have owned Him to be Lord and Savior, who love Him even though they haven't yet seen Him and are looking forward to His return when they will see Him and be like Him and be with Him forever. Every nation. Because Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord God, Lord Jesus, pour faith into us, confidence into us, boldness into us. Help us to know that when we open our mouths, when we declare Jesus' name, we do so in and with the authority of Christ Jesus the Lord. So we don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed or timid or fearful. We can know that Christ who sits on the throne will accomplish His purposes through our weak efforts and will make them strong. Lord Jesus, we confess You are Lord. One and only Lord, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We worship you. We need you. We love you. Give us faith to proclaim you so that the triumph of the Christ
and the triumph of the church might soon be made visible to all on that glad and glorious day. Come, Lord Jesus, empower us to complete the mission so that we might see the dawn of that day. In Jesus' name, amen.